What's up, Videolanders? I'm your host, Brad Hawkins. Welcome to another AV Quickie. Also, just a reminder, if you like this episode, you can find more episodes at adventuresinvideoland.com or on our Facebook at Adventures in Video Land. We are critics with attitude, which means this episode might contain explicit content. Anything goes when you're in Videoland. Sometimes you might get some inappropriate language. Some locker room talk, so if you're easily offended, this might not be the podcast for you. All right, guys. The Suicide Squad is a James Gunn movie through and through. There won't be no director's cut. This is the director's cut. And James Gunn throws everything at us. The horrible, the beautiful, the rated R, (laughs) the humor, the violence, the heart. James Gunn is a fucking madman. Honestly, I don't know how a movie like this works, but it does. It's a horrible, beautiful, gruesome, James Gunn mindfuck of a movie. And I loved it. I do have some issues. We'll talk about those issues. But I had a blast. Now, I was worried. I didn't know what to think because leading up to the movie, I heard a lot of people say it's in their top five comic book movies ever made, Uh, but then my wife and my son didn't care for it. Videolander uh, Seth Fisher, last time I talked to him, he sounded very mixed on it. Uh, Some other people I know said it was just too much for them. It it was too violent, but I came out of the theater very satisfied. Um, I like dark. I like rated R. I like violence, but on top of that though, um, I like having fun and this movie was fun. It's not my top five comic book movies ever made. I can say that with confidence, but I had a blast. It takes a master director like James Gunn to pull something like this off. The violence might be too much for some, but my father-in-law, he's 75. He was laughing his ass off during some of the goriest moments, some of the, the raunchiest moments, some of the craziest moments. He had a good time. I think if he can have a good time, anybody can have a good time. Uh, but it is violent. All right. If you uh, are thinking about going to see this, you haven't seen it yet. Um, let's uh, underline the word "violent" and capitalize every letter. It, this thing is violent. Uh, now let's get something out of the way, just real quick. I've had some people message me asking me, "Brad, which is better, Guardians of the Galaxy or the Suicide Squad? Marvel or DC? It's always the Marvel versus DC thing." I think a lot of people will be comparing. So. Sure, I think there's a lot of comparisons that can be made with um, especially a few characters, uh, a few tracks on the soundtrack, Uh, but both are completely different, especially when talking about tone. All right, tone splits these movies right down the middle. Guardians is more of a reined-in PG-13 James Gunn. The Suicide Squad is fucking balls to the wall. Troma meets the DCEU. They're both great. I like them both for different reasons, but if I have to pick one, gun to my dick... I choose Guardians over the Suicide Squad. I'll take Suicide over Guardians 2, but Guardians 1 over the Suicide Squad. I also want to say one more thing about the tone of the Suicide Squad. I was worried that the Suicide Squad would just go too crazy. It would be too James Gunn. Uh, It would just go crazy for the sake of just going crazy. James Gunn is from the, uh, the School of Trauma. If you haven't heard of Trauma, Google it. I love the idea of Trauma. But I'm not a fan of a lot of trauma movies because they go fucking crazy. They go too far, for my taste. James Gunn shows his trauma roots, but he never goes too crazy. He just goes crazy enough. Like, his toe touched the line of crazy, alright? James Gunn is a madman. He's a madman. Alright, let's go over some of the positives and negatives. James Gunn is one of those directors that he throws a lot at you. Some of it works, some of it doesn't work. But in my opinion, most of it worked. Most of it worked for me anyway. I'll start with my positives. First off, uh, let's just talk about behind the scenes. I want to bring that up. 
props to DC and Warner Brothers for letting James Gunn go completely wild and uh, make the movie he wanted to make. James Gunn is one of those directors that you just give him the keys to the kingdom, you give him the entire sandbox, you give him a plastic shovel, you push it in his chest and you tell him, go play, <laughs> alright? Go build a horrible, beautiful mindfuck of a sandcastle. So I'm glad DC let James Gunn go wild, they let him go bananas. I was actually reading a quote earlier today from James Gunn where he said he is completely satisfied with how this movie turned out. And uh, that Warner Brothers didn't interfere that much. They only gave him a few notes. I think I know what some of those notes are. We'll talk about those notes. But I think getting James Gunn and just getting him and letting him direct this movie the way that he wanted to make this movie was a huge positive right out of the gate. All right. This is James Gunn at the height of his directing powers. So great move by DC and Warner Brothers. And this movie shouldn't even exist. Most of you guys remember James Gunn was one of the uh, the first people, first people that I remember anyway, that got canceled. Disney canceled him. He made some bad tweets, what was it, like 10 or 15 years ago. They came back to haunt him. Disney said, you're out of here. So DC came in and they said, we want you to do whatever you want. Do you want to do Superman? Do you want to do Batman? He landed on Suicide Squad. And then Disney realized they had a knee-jerk reaction. They rehired him for Guardians of the Galaxy 3. It's a crazy story. And I'm sure Guardians 3 is going to rock, all right? But James Gunn seems right at home at DC. It looks like their sensibilities line up. Uh, but hiring James Gunn, I think, could be the turning point for the DCEU. I know there's already a lot of fans out there. You guys already love the movies they've been pumping out. But for me, I think this could be a huge turning point for the DCEU. I think Marvel better watch out. I have a feeling DC is finally picking up. And it's funny to think the firing of James Gunn by Disney gave DC one of their best movies. But anyway, just uh, props to DC and Warner Brothers for scooping up James Gunn, giving him a second chance, throwing him a raft after Disney fired him. Big positive right out of the gate, and I think a big positive for DC moving forward. It looks like the start of a beautiful friendship between James Gunn and DC. Alright, let's talk about the new squad members, or um, at least the main squad members. I absolutely loved every single one of the new characters. Let me put it this way. I would watch streaming spinoffs on every one of these characters. And that's a good sign when you walk out of the theater and you're like, yes, spinoff, please. I want to see I want to see that on the streaming service. I want to see those characters. That's a good sign. Uh, we're already getting a Peacemaker series, but I would watch a series with every single one of these new characters. All right, let's start with uh, John Cena as the Peacemaker. Dude was hilarious. Um, he was a fucking Terminator wrecking ball. Uh, especially in the third act, when he's fighting Rick Flagg, I was like, I want to see John Cena in a fucking Terminator movie. And then him standing in his uh, tidy whities it's going to sound weird, but I was even, uh, I was getting Terminator vibes there. <laughs> Alright, his character is someone that you love to hate, and uh, I think it was actually John Cena who actually described Peacemaker as a douchebag Captain America. Completely. Alright, spot on. And uh, at first, I wasn't interested in a Peacemaker show when I first heard about it from uh, James Gunn. But now I can't wait. I think it's a great idea. Uh, John Cena was great. Uh, probably my least favorite out of the new characters, but still awesome. So if my least favorite is awesome, I still think it's awesome, and I want to watch a streaming show you know, with them in it, then also a great sign. Uh, Ratcatcher 2 was another highlight, played by uh, Daniela Melichor. That's the first time I've ever had to say that name. Hope I didn't butcher it, but wow, she was phenomenal. I don't know anyone that's not in love with her after this movie. And looking at her IMDb, um, I have it pulled up. It looks like this might be her first Hollywood movie. 
a lot of studios will be knocking on her door. She was the heart of this movie, and Gunn cast the perfect actress. She had such a delightful presence to her. Very impressed. Pantheon casting. And uh, it was also cool to see Taika Waititi uh, play the original Ratcatcher, her father. Very small role, but I love the idea of both Ratcatcher 1 and uh, Ratcatcher 2, and just how the story used them to give the movie some added heart. Uh, I also love that message, too, that the least of us have purpose. Even rats have purpose. I thought that was great. Um, another character that I think had some heart was uh, King Shark. I wish they would have uh, followed that heart up a little bit more uh, within the story, but I thought he was a delight. Definitely in the running for my favorite character. Getting Sylvester Stallone to play the voice of King Shark is, again, Pantheon casting, all right? Absolutely perfect. I also thought the CGI on King Shark was pretty great. Wasn't sold by the trailers, but it actually worked in the movie. I loved every scene with King Shark. Again, I want a spinoff. And just a quick side thought here. I hope Stallone was taking uh, notes for his Expendables 4. Supposedly, he's filming Expendables this fall. We want this kind of rated R action, Sly. All right, so talk to James Gunn. Actually, I hope they have a meeting. They had lunch together. He's like, you know, I'm doing... Uh, Expendables 4, what should I do? I hope that Stallone is inspired by the Suicide Squad when he goes off to make Expendables 4. Also, I have a couple windows pulled up here. Uh, if you go to Stallone's Instagram, this is his sixth straight decade that he's been in a movie that opened at number one. So again, kudos to you, Stallone. You're still kicking it at, uh, man, 75. 75. Comes out with an awesome character like, uh, like King Shark. He's a fucking workhorse. I love it. All right, uh, let's see. Polka Dot Man. Probably my favorite squad member. My favorite new squad member. He's played by David Dasmalchian. Another name from my vocabulary. Hope I didn't butcher it. Again, Pantheon casting. I love the idea of taking this lesser character and creating something unique. He could have been this character they played as a joke. He just throws polka dots. But uh, I love the quirk here. I love the spin that he has this interdimensional virus. And that his mom worked at Star Labs. Uh, she experimented on her kids trying to give them superpowers. Didn't matter what the cost. And, man, that is a dark story. Uh, some great body horror effects. Uh, this character lines up completely with James Gunn. So I'm, I'm glad that James Gunn took something, uh, a lesser character, and did something creative, uh, something unique. It does suck he died. Maybe he can come back. I don't know what the virus is capable of. But at least he died a superhero. <laughs> so, awesome stuff. I loved Polka Dot Man. Now, I said Polka Dot Man was my favorite. He probably is. But I don't know, because we got a fucking kaiju up in this shit. Starro was awesome. Starro was epic. Uh, we were in the theater, and my wife looked at me and said, you got to be kidding me. Is that a giant starfish? Are you kidding me? What, what, what is this? She didn't care for the movie. I looked at her, and I was like, yeah. Yeah, it's a fucking awesome starfish. <laughs> this is epic, man. A giant starfish is so much fun. It's so fresh. Uh, the design, the colors, uh, spitting out little starfish that land on your face and that turns you into a mindless zombie. So cool. I ate all of that up. It was so unique. I can't wait to see cosplayers dress up a starfish on their faces, see military starfish zombies. Uh, I want a baby starfish in the studio up on the shelf. And uh, just the third act, guys, just the third act in general was awesome. Usually in these comic book movies, they're all the same. Generic fights. Generic locations. I don't care if you're Wonder Woman or Black Panther. Not here. The third act, we're fighting a giant starfish. A man with polka dot powers is fighting a giant starfish. It's fucking insane. I've always said that they haven't made the kaiju movie that is in my head. 
They still haven't. But this came fucking close. I just needed more Starro. I wish Starro was in this more, that we got um, an epic kaiju movie out of this. Um, he only shows up like at the end of the third act. But Starro is my kaiju, guys. All right, fuck King Kong, fuck Godzilla. Starro's where it's at. Absolutely, absolutely love Starro. I can't, uh, I can't say that enough. Absolutely love that they picked Starro as the villain of this movie. And uh, man, the last words before dying. I was happy just floating in space and staring at the stars until you government assholes decided to fuck me over and bring me to Earth. I was just happy floating in space and staring at the stars. And then he gets eaten alive by rats. They just chew out his brain. It's fucking epic. I absolutely loved it. Um, James Gunn made these characters so much fun. I'm going to want them in a sequel if they do a Suicide Squad 3, but it's like writing yourself in a box or in a corner. Like, how do you bring anyone else into the squad? Because these characters are going to be hard to top. Absolutely love what James Gunn did with these characters. All right, let's talk about some of my technical positives. I will say the effects are more positive than negative. Um, there's a lot of practical effects, which was great to see, but there were a handful of shitty CGI shots, like a guy's face sliding off or... King Shark chewing on a, um, a human head at the end of the movie. That looked kind of shitty. But most of the time I was happy. Glad practical effects were a priority in most cases. Uh, the soundtrack, it's a nice balance. I remember Seth Fisher coming over and said, man, it just doesn't hit. It doesn't hit like Guardians. I think it hits just in different ways. And I'm glad that he saved like the, the more poppy soundtrack for Guardians Volume 3 because I think that's where that needs to go. And uh, James Gunn, he's just one of those, he's one of the greatest directors uh, next to Tarantino to use pre-existing music. And this movie's no exception. A little bit of punk, a little bit of old school, some hints of Guardians. Um, I think Guardians is a better overall soundtrack, but just a great selection of music. So yeah, it doesn't hit like Guardians 1 or 2, but I don't, it didn't need to. Um, it did have energy though. The soundtrack had energy that went through this movie and it was still very James Gunn inspired. So, great soundtrack. And then just the uh, the opening use of Johnny Cash over the DC characters and the logos. One of the best DC uh, opening credits um, that I've seen. Epic. So, as you guys can tell, I really enjoyed this movie. I don't have many negatives, but I do have a few. So, negatives. Um, I hate seeing some of these characters die. I get it. Um, it's the Suicide Squad. They're the comic book expendables. So, people's, people's gotta die. <laughs> Alright, I get it. That's not my problem. Killing off some great additions to the cast. Or I think some great actors that could work later in like a Suicide Squad 3 or um, a Suicide Squad streaming series. Killing them off is my problem. Uh, first off, what's up with killing off Captain Boomerang? I would rather have seen somebody else get killed off in the Suicide Squad and save Boomerang for Suicide Squad 3 or let him, you know, lead a series or just have him walk off. It would be a fun uh, callback too because he actually walks off in the first one. It would echo the first movie. And then you just take Captain Boomerang and you do whatever you want with him because I honestly think Jai Courtney is a great Captain Boomerang. So just a wasted opportunity and such a big middle finger to not only Boomerang, but I think the first movie. And just a quick side rant here. Say what you want about the first Suicide Squad, but not everything sucked. I think that's just bad movie criticism. Like they, I think they got the casting right, and I actually liked the movie up until the second act. So I wish Gunn would have utilized Boomer or maybe saved him 
uh, put him in his back pocket for later. So just, I think, wasted. Uh, Joel Kinnaman's Rick Flagg. Um, at least he got an entire movie to play in, but he's dead. And it sucks because I thought he was better in this movie than the original. And I kind of like having this level-headed guy in charge of the team. So it was unfortunate they killed him off. It's not a big negative. I like how everything played out mostly uh, between him and, and Peacemaker. For the most part, it makes Peacemaker a bigger douchebag. But again, it just seems like a big middle finger to the original movie. Own your bad babies. I think he could have made a great leader for a third movie or, again, a streaming series. So just, I think, wasted opportunity and a, and a big middle finger to the first movie. Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn. Completely wasted. I love Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn. But I don't think she's had a great movie. I think she was wasted in Suicide Squad. Birds of Prey was a mess. And in here, completely wasted. I did not care for her character at all in this movie. I honestly feel like you could take her out and it wouldn't even matter. You'd have to rearrange some things, but you could take her completely out and she's pretty much the entire second act, which is my least favorite act of this movie. But you could take her out and it wouldn't even matter. Just a big waste of time. It seemed like James Gunn didn't know what to do, or not that he didn't know what to do, but Harley is one of those uh, one of those notes that I was talking about earlier from DC, where they're like, the, the note said, please use Harley, <laughs> and he made it work. Sure, she sells uh, some movie tickets, she's a popular character, but I would rather replace her character with Javelin or Savant. Can you imagine? Again, you got to switch some things around, maybe it's not a love interest, or fuck it, keep it a love interest, where uh, the, uh, the leader where the president wants Javelin, or he wants Savant. That would have been fucking hilarious. <laughs> but move some things around and just give the second act to one of those characters instead. I would love to have spent uh, more time with either one of those characters. I think it would have been fresh. It would have been hilarious. It would have been fun. I thought her stuff was jarring. It was forced. Completely took me out of the movie for a while. Um, the second act. I was like, is this a dream sequence? I kept on waiting for uh, for the joke, but it wasn't a joke. As far as I know, it, was, it all played out for fucking real. Just really weird. So Harley just didn't work for me in this at all. And that's coming from a big Margot Robbie Harley fan. I think she's great as the character. I can't wait for someone to, to do something with her and to utilize her because this did not. And actually connected to Harley here, I was actually hoping for a Joker scene. Like maybe an in-credit Joker scene. I'm not a big fan of Jared Leto's Joker, but I've said it a couple times this podcast. I say it all the time. Own your bad babies. DC created them. Now you got to make it work. You got to make it work. Same way with Zack Snyder and his Justice League movies. You just got to make it work. All right. It's a start of something. Marvel had some road bumps. You just got to make it work. If anyone could make Jared Leto's Joker work, it's James Gunn. So again, not a real big negative. It's just I would like to have seen um, them connect to the original connect the first movie just a little bit, not much. It does exist. Own your bad babies. Let James Gunn do something with the Joker. And this movie doesn't connect to anything except for maybe a Peacemaker series, you know, in the end credits. So I would like to have seen James Gunn um, do something inspiring, um, something fun, something interesting with the Joker, um, something in the end credits, or at least something that connected to uh, the bigger, you know, DCEU. All right, moving on. Idris Elba as Bloodsport. Look, I love Idris Elba. He did a great job in this movie, but I will always have a problem with him in the Suicide Squad. You can completely tell that he's supposed to be dead shot. Everything from him being good with guns to having a daughter that sees him save the world, it's just so weird. I wish they would have just rewrote the character 
or gave it to someone else. Like, give this role to Javelin. Make him this weird leader. That would have been so much fun. So it's just messy. Bring back Will Smith. Supposedly he was going to return, but he dropped out because of uh, scheduling conflicts. Word on the street is DC still wants him to return at some point. And if he does return, and he's in Suicide Squad 3 with Idris Elba, any interaction that I want to see between them was already done with Peacemaker and Bloodsport. From upping each other to uh, the bullet going through uh, the, the bullet at the end of the movie. So at this point, what, what does a movie with Deadshot and, and Bloodsport even look like? And overall, I just preferred Deadshot, if I can be honest. Will Smith was great in the role. I liked his relationship with his daughter more. And how cool would it have been for his daughter to see her dad save the world twice? So I really wish Will Smith was in this movie. And I actually think he would have uh, helped the box office a little bit too. I think he would have brought a little bit of that box office strength. I think it probably would have went over 30, uh, 30 million opening weekend. But uh, we'll see what happens. Um, I, hope, I hope he comes back because I actually uh, really missed uh, Will Smith in this movie. All right, let's talk about the new squad members. Nathan Fillion, dead. <laughs> I'm a big fan of Nathan Fillion. Not a huge fan of Firefly, but there's just something about Nathan Fillion. I've been waiting for him to show up in Guardians, uh, somewhere, Marvel, DC, anywhere. And he finally shows up in The Suicide Squad. I'm excited, and then he just dies. Again, I don't have problems with deaths, all right? Killing the Suicide Squad, that's what they're there for. It's just when you cast someone like Nathan Fillion. Come on. Use him in a Suicide Squad 3. Or a series. Just completely wasted. Uh, it really pissed me off what they did with Nathan Fillion. But what a missed opportunity. I think they could have gave him something awesome and better later. I think Nathan Fillion is someone you, uh, you put in your back pocket. You just don't kill him on a beach. Pete Davidson. This guy, I don't know much about Pete Davidson, but he seems like the perfect fit for the Suicide Squad or for a James Gunn movie. Just his face looks like a Suicide Squad headliner. Again, save his casting for uh, a Suicide Squad 3 or just get a famous face in there like a, Ch a Channing Tatum. Someone that you can play as a joke like a Brad Pitt in, in Deadpool 2 that you can just kill off. Put Channing Tatum in this. Someone else. Don't kill off your Nathan Fillions and your Pete Davidsons because I would watch either one of them in a, in a streaming series. So I think it was a, another missed opportunity for, for killing someone that just, again, I don't know anything about Pete Davidson, but he just has the face <laughs> for his Suicide Squad. Um, like maybe the, the perfect face ever for a Suicide Squad uh, member. But uh, another death, uh, Michael Rooker. Oh man, his savant. One of my favorite moments. It's, uh, it's, it's a blink and you miss it moment. Very small. And it's when Boomerang, uh, he's winking at him on the on the airplane. And just the look on Savant's face, on Michael Rooker's face, is pure disgust. It cracks me up. Like, go back and watch it on um, on HBO Max if you have it. And just, just look at that expression <laughs> on Savant's face. It's just like, how did I get involved in this shit? I'm too old for this shit. <laughs> like, I don't know. It, it cracked me up. Uh, blink and you miss it scene. Uh, actually, one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Uh, go back and check it out. But I would have loved uh, to see Michael Rooker stick around as well. I think he would have been fun. I understand why you kill him off, though. And, uh, it's it, it works, but uh, just I would have kept Michael Rooker. And uh, just the, the massacre on the beach. I thought it was fun. It was good. But I don't think it's better than Deadpool 2's X-Force massacre. <laughs> so while I had fun with the massacre on the beach... 
I've seen it done better in a different movie. Just like uh, when they're betting on the Suicide Squad. Fun beat. I've seen it better in uh, Cabin of the Woods. Amanda Waller. What a great villain. Until she gets knocked down a peg, which I don't mind. I don't mind her getting knocked down a peg, but it's how they knock her down a peg in this movie. Her white-collar employees? Like, how does that work moving forward in a, in a series or in a Suicide Squad 3? Because at the end of this movie, you know Amanda Waller is such a badass. And they don't tie her up. They don't handcuff her. They, they knock her out with a fucking, like, nine iron or something, right? They don't tie her up. She's just, at the end of the movie, she's just sitting in a chair looking at them like she's annoyed. Like she's pouting. It's really weird. Like, heads need to roll. She's Amanda fucking Waller. Everyone's just going about their jobs, and she's just sitting in a chair pouting. Very weird scene. Like, that's not Amanda Waller. Like, she wakes up, heads are going to roll. So, I'm very curious, like, you know, what do they do with her moving forward? Because you kind of took the piss out of her. All right, let's talk about the technical side. I didn't care for the uh, fonts on the screen saying three days later, now, uh, Jotunheim. Harley Quinn. So I think it was overstylized. Not a deal breaker, just an observation. James Gunn is a very stylish director. Some of that style will work for some and it won't work for others. Just a personal preference. I love Harley's fight with all the flowers, but I thought the fonts saying, you know, like where we were in the movie was just a, a little, little too much. But yeah, I think those are most of my negatives. Overall, I had a blast. I think the, the good outweighs the bad by far. I had a lot of fun. So where does this fit for me when talking about the DCEU or whatever we're calling it now? Joker is still my number one. I absolutely love Lego Batman. But if we're talking live action, I'm going Joker and then The Suicide Squad. Shazam's probably number three. So I had a lot of fun with The Suicide Squad. It's nowhere near my top five comic book movies ever made. It's not my favorite James Gunn movie, but it was a blast. And it's something that I'm going to watch multiple times. It's something that's going to be, when I'm watching comic book movies, especially rated R, hardcore comic book movies, it's going to be something that I watch. I'm a fan of The Suicide Squad. Big thumbs up. I highly recommend it. All right, guys. Those are my quick thoughts. I hope you enjoyed this quickie as much as I did. Let me know if you agree or disagree in the comment section of this episode. What's your opinion? Did you enjoy the movie? Are you looking forward to what DC is doing next? Anyway, guys, let me know what you think. Thanks for going on this adventure with me. You can find me on adventuresinvideoland.com. I'm on Instagram, but the conversation always begins and ends on Facebook. You've been listening to Criticism in its finest hour. Until next time, my good people, peace out. Yeah.